Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We are continuing our series called uh, I'm Not Okay, and uh, I've really found this uh, series very relatable, very encouraging to me, very challenging as well. I hope that you found it relatable, and so uh, today is my turn to come into this series and, and to talk about something that I think we're not all okay with, and, and, and really in this series, we've been talking about how sometimes we don't have it all together, right? Like on the outside, we can look like we've got it going on. Like we could come dressed in our Sunday best, you know, we can, uh, even the kids, they may not have stuff all over their shirts, you know, you, your husband finally ran a comb through his hair, you know, something like that. And you're like, hey, we look like we got it going on. But the reality is on the inside, we're falling all apart. And here's the good news for us today, that God draws near to us because of our mess, that sometimes it takes a mess to set up a meeting with God. And I hope here at Awaken, this is an environment, this is a place where you can express what's going on inside of you, that you can find a pastor, you can find your group leader, you can find, uh, you know, somebody you serve with, you can just grab them and say, hey, I'm not okay. Would you pray for me? Last week, we were on vacation doing a fall break vacation, our family was, but over the last couple of weeks, I've been here and I've, I've had the privilege of praying with some of you. Some of you have grabbed me and you're like, hey, I'm not okay. Let me tell you what's going on. Would you pray for me in this? been an honor and a privilege to pray for you and, and to hear what God is doing in your life and, and how he's working. But here's what I want you to know. It's okay if you're not okay. I want you to know that you found a place where we all might look like we have it going on, but we're not okay. We're kind of a hot mess, right? And really the leadership team and the prayer team, we've been praying over this series a lot. And, and we have these cards for you. And I would really encourage you to write down, put pen to paper what is going on inside of you. If you haven't already, I would encourage you to do that. Um, But we're also going to have these cards available for you to grab and to be praying for people in our church who are saying, listen, I'm not okay. We want to be a church and, and and, and people who are constantly praying over the things that we're facing because in our life, we do face a lot of different things, a lot of difficult things. Some of the things that we've been talking about is how we just have fear. We're overwhelmed. We have shame. And, and, and really, the church can't be silent on these issues. God isn't silent on the things that we're facing. God has a lot to say about the things that we're facing. God understands, and his word addresses the things that we're facing. And so today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. I think all of us, if not some of us here today, would just say, listen, I'm not okay. I'm anxious. See, so often... We're asked the question, well, hey, how are you doing? And what do we say? Oh, great. Life is perfect. Everything's great. Blessed and highly favored, brother, you know? Everything's up and to the right. We're doing so well. Everything's perfect. When in reality, that's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, so often we walk around saying everything's okay, but the reality is found in this classic movie clip that I want to show you here, and just if you draw your attention to the screens. I got robbed by a sweet old lady on a motorized cart. I didn't even see it coming. Oh, Harry. No. Harry. No. Come on, Harry. You're up. Gets worse, Lloyd. My parakeet, Petey. Huh? He's dead. 
man. I'm sorry, Harry. What happened? His head fell off. <laughs> His head fell off? Yeah, he was pretty old. Oh, that's it. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> now, now, listen. If you that that to me is one of the greatest films of all time. Like it's beautiful. It's rich. It's deep, full of great truths. Don't boo me. You know it's true. All right. It is a beautiful film. And if you haven't seen it, I'm not judging you. But clearly, you're not okay. All right. So you need to see that movie. But. But, but here's, the, here's the reality. I, I'm trying to bring some humor into all of this. Because for a lot of us, we're getting anxious hearing, oh man, I'm gonna be, we're going to be talking about anxiety. Like we're, we're anxious even talking about anxiety. Listen, I wrote two messages about anxiety over the last several weeks. That's how anxious I am to teach about anxiety. But I love that clip because really it sums up life. Like we've got no food, we've got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off. You know, like, uh, the reality is we're not okay. Life isn't perfect. But like I said, it's okay if you're not okay. It's okay if you're anxious today. But what is anxiety? Because I think that's a very complicated question to answer. It's not an easy answer to it. Anxiety could be physiological. It could be emotional. It could be situational. I would always argue it's spiritual, Anxiety is very complicated. And what I want to be clear on when it comes to anxiety is we need to take a holistic approach to it. And here's what I mean by that. For some of us, we do need to talk to a counselor. We need to talk to somebody and talk about what's going on inside of us. For others of us, we need to go to a doctor. Maybe we need to get on some supplements or get on a diet or, or, or maybe take certain medication. And, and all of those things are good things. We should do those things. But taking a holistic approach means that we've also got to look at the spiritual side of things. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I can't read brain scans. I can't prescribe medicine, nor would you want me to do those things, all right? (laughs) But listen, I am a pastor. And what I can offer you is a spiritual prescription that I hope would be helpful. Now, the best way that I've heard anxiety described is that annoying red light on your dash. You know what light I'm talking about? The check engine light, right? Like how many of you have ever had that light go off in your car, right? How many of you have it on your car right now? You're like, that's why I'm here. I'm anxious right now. (laughs) But here's what's interesting about that little red light. What does it do? The check engine light is a signal that tells us that there's a problem with the car. The light isn't the problem. It's an indicator. It's a signal telling us that there is a problem with the car. And you need to take the car to the one who made it, to the one who created it, so they know what's going on inside. See, anxiety is like that check engine light. It's a signal. It's an alert. It's an indicator that something isn't right. And you need to go to the maker. You need to go to the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who can help you and see what's going on inside. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to take action. And if you're here today and you're like, I'm not okay, I'm anxious, you're in the right place. Paul even had some thoughts about anxiety. If there was any guy who knew anything about being anxious, it was Paul. So let's see what he has to say. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. 
He says, do not be anxious about anything. Notice there's no asterisk that says, except for. It says nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. See, I think a lot of times when we hear or we read this verse, I think a lot of us go, well, is that that even possible to have peace, to not be anxious about anything when we see everything going on in our world? We're like, come on, Paul. That's not reality. Like, I can't have peace. I am anxious. I mean, all we need to do is watch the news. And what do we see? We see inflation going up. We see the, the war in Ukraine, and now Putin might be using nuclear weapons. And, and then we, we then go on, and I read an article that said, like, get ready for a 50-year war. And I think a lot of us, we read that and we go, really? Be anxious about nothing? Like, I've got a lot to be anxious about. But then even zoom it in, even more personal. We've got doctor's appointments coming up that can make us anxious. We've got uh, 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 the fact that we've got decisions that we need to make. Going back to school is always an anxious time, right? Like, what teacher am I going to have? What class am I going to be in? Are the kids going to be nice to me? We could be anxious about starting a new job. How am I going to pay the bills? We could be anxious about getting married. Am I going to get married? If I do get married, am I going to marry some psycho, you know? Because I've seen a lot of crazy people out there. (laughs) Married people, don't be elbowing your spouse right now going, I married the psycho, right? Like... (laughs) We go, I don't know about my job. I, uh, my parents are aging. My teenagers are driving me crazy. My car is always in the shop. And there's so much that's going on around us. And we think, is it even possible to be anxious for nothing? I believe that it is. And this passage gives us some thoughts about anxiety and what we can practically do when it comes to our anxiety. And the first is, anxious thoughts are harmful. It's the first thing Paul wants us to know. Anxious thoughts are harmful. So often I feel like Philippians 4 has been misunderstood or or misapplied in the church. I think for a lot of us, when we hear those first few words, or we even heard we were coming to Philippians 4, 6, we're like, oh yeah, I've heard this before. We hear, don't be anxious about anything. And and we've had pastors or Christians tell us, if you have anxiety, that's bad. Then you're not really following Jesus because if you truly love Jesus, if you're truly following Jesus, then you wouldn't be anxious about anything. But listen, that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying that it's, he's not saying, hey, you should never have anxiety. What he's ultimately getting at is that when anxiety enters your mind, don't let it travel to your heart. Don't let it dwell in your heart. Don't let it move into hotel anxiety. Instead, we need to redirect it and do something with it. And Paul here in just a few minutes is going to practically walk us through and give us some tips on how to do that. But really what he wants us to understand right out the gate is that anxious thoughts are harmful. See, anxiety is about you. Talking to yourself about your problems, your situation, 
And then you just stay there and you ruminate on them. It's all the what ifs. What if this happens or what if that happens? It's rehearsing the worst case scenarios in your mind. It's you spending a lot of emotional energy on things that might not ever happen. It's a down payment on a problem that might not ever occur. And so many of us, self-included, we've got so many narratives, so many thoughts, so many voices in our heads, and it's making us feel anxious. Because listen to this, anxiety is an internal false prophet that prophesizes a hopeless future of doom. For so many of us, we sit and we ruminate over our problems. Now, anytime I hear the word ruminate, I immediately think about a cow, right? If you're a city boy like me and you don't have a lot of country in you, sometimes that doesn't like, you know, stay with you a lot. But, but when a cow ruminates, he's chewing on his cut. And so what will happen is the cow will put his face in the grass and he'll eat the grass and he'll chew on the grass for a while. And then he'll swallow that grass and then he bars it back up, right? Like... It's disgusting, but it's true. And then he chews on that grass a little bit more. And then he swallows it and he brings it back up again. He chews on it some more and he brings it down again. That's why when you drive by a pasture, a cow's chewing on something, even though his face hasn't been in the grass for five hours, you know, like he's constantly chewing on his cud. Now, how many of you know, every time that grass comes right back up, it's not coming up better. It's coming up grosser, right? And here's the reality. So do your thoughts. See, what happens when, uh, when it comes to our anxiety, we so often are just sitting around and we're amplifying and we're magnifying our thoughts. We're chewing on our thoughts over and over again. We're ruminating on them. And they aren't getting better. They're getting grosser. Now, I'm not saying what you're thinking about is not real. It's not important. But what I am saying is that you're actually amplifying the stress of your situation. So why do we do it? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm really, really good at being anxious. Like next to sarcasm, I think that's my next best spiritual gift. But I could tell you this. The reason why I worry or I have anxiety is because I feel like things are out of my control. And I can begin to be a little bit of a control freak. But the reality is I'm not controlling anything. See, when I feel anxious, I, I try to take control. I think, well, I'll fix this, or I'll make this happen, or, or you know what, I'll do this over here, and, and I'll, I'll control all this. And when I try to take control, the problem is the more I try to control, the more I fear losing control. And the more I fear losing control, the more I try to take control. And the more I try to take control, the more anxiety I feel. And when that starts to happen, I enter into this anxiety tornado. So how do we break this? How do we get out of this like anxiety tornado? Well, Jesus, he was teaching about not being anxious. And in verse 27 of Matthew chapter six, he says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? Now, Jesus is being rhetorical here, but if you need the answer, no one. And then in verse 31, he goes on to say, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? What Jesus is ultimately getting at is you need to stop ruminating. You need to stop rehearsing all the what ifs in your mind. You need to stop trying to take control. I mean, then he goes on and he talks about this illustration, this analogy. And he's like, look at the flowers and the birds. I take care of them, and, but I love you more. So don't you think I'm going to take care of you? 
Do you think I care more about you? So if I care about them, I care more about you. I'll take care of you. And he's like, when you're trying to take control, when you're ruminating over those thoughts, he's like, hey, just take a look outside and be reminded that I love you more than them, and yet I take care of them. I don't know if Paul ever heard that message from Jesus, but he's kind of echoing a lot of the same thoughts when he says, don't be anxious about anything. That if you stay in that headspace long enough, if you're constantly ruminating, if you're constantly playing all the what ifs in your mind, the only thing that anxiety is going to change is you. It's going to make you miserable. See, I've never looked back on a season of my life when I was feeling anxious or worried and thought, man, you know, I'm really glad I did all that worrying and and being anxious. Like, it did me a lot of good, and it was fantastic. I never did that. Anxiety doesn't do anything for you. Anxiety can't make you stronger or richer. Can't make you shorter or taller, thinner or fatter. I don't know. It can't lengthen your days. It could definitely shorten your days. It can't control your past and it cannot control your future. All anxiety does is make today miserable. In fact, I love what Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, anxiety doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. Think about that for just a second. If you're anxious about something that you can't change, it's useless. It only empties today of its strength. So we need to take action. We need to change our thoughts because being anxious and having anxious thoughts are harmful. So how do we take action? Well, Paul now gets very practical in how we do this. So he starts off in verse six. He's like, don't be anxious about anything. And then he moves on and he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, don't be anxious Don't worry about those things, but talk to God about them. And oh, by the way, be thankful. Here's our second thought for today. Anxiety is a signal that it's time to pray. Anxiety is a signal that it's time to pray. When you feel anxiety coming on, it's a signal alerting you to go to the one who created you. Go to the one who loves you. Go to the one who can help you and see what's going on inside. It's a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. Now, as a pastor, I'll often tell people, hey, let's pray, or, or you should pray about that. Or, you know, even right now, I'm like, hey, you need to pray. And I think some of us, when we're in the middle of our anxiety, we're like, well, how do I pray? How am I supposed to do this? Well, Paul's very simple with it. He says, hey, let your needs be made known. Tell God what's going on inside. I think sometimes when it comes to prayer, we're like, well, how do I do it? Like, do I have to start, dear Jesus, like I'm addressing a letter, like, is that appropriate? Or... Like, do I have to talk King James and have these and thuses in it? You know, like, do I have to have a minimum of five verses in that prayer, you know, just to make sure it feels holy and spiritual? Do I need to close with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Maybe Holy Ghost, because that sounds actually more spiritual, you know? Like, do I pray like the pastor? Do I pray like Nate? Do I pray like my group leader? How do I pray? Listen, God made you a unique human being. Talk to God in your own unique way. Don't try to be like me. Don't try to be like the King James Version. Talk to God in the way that he has created you to talk to him. Just let it out. Let God know what's going on inside of you. I have three boys. They all are very unique. And they all let their requests be made known to me in their own unique ways, right? (laughs) My oldest son, Brody. 
that guy, he's, he's like mind mapped the whole thing. Like he, he's got, he knows what he wants. And he's like, all right, dad, before you say no, let me tell you why you should say yes. Like he's already anticipating the no, but he's got the answers for the yes. And he's like, I really need this. And this would be great here. And I will do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'll work extra for this, you know? Like, and then I'll go, well, I don't think so. And he's like, well, before you even say it, because I thought you were going to say that, let me come back to this. And that's what he does. The kid's going to be a salesman or a lawyer. I don't know, because he's got the whole thing figured out. Asher, my middle son, what does he do? He wants to eat. He's like, oh, dad, he's having a meltdown in front of me. Dad, I'm so hungry. I just need to eat something. And it's like, dude, you just ate 20 minutes ago. Like, what are you doing? Like, but he does that. Dawson, my youngest one, what does he do? He's just so, this is the way it is. He's like, this is what I need. This is what I'm going to do. You know, whatever it is, it's just to the point. That's it. Like I should fully understand what's going on in his life and why this needs to be a yes. Like that's just how it is. But they all are unique in their own ways and how they bring the requests to me. You are a child of God. Talk to your heavenly father. Talk to him in your way. Listen, when you open up God's word, you're going to read people who, what did they do? They sang songs. They made their requests known by singing songs. Some of them wrote poems. Some of them acted like a toddler and threw a fit, (laughs) threw a temper tantrum. But they all let God know what was going on on the inside of them in their own unique ways. And so maybe for you today, you just need to go and you need to sing a song about it. I know for me, there are many times when I'm feeling anxious, I'll grab my guitar and I'll just sit there and I'll play music. None of the songs make sense but I'm just expressing what's going on inside of my heart. And I will walk out of that room feeling so much better. You know, for some of you, you just need to write down what's going on so that you can see the faithfulness of God as he answers those prayers. For others of you, you just do need to act like a toddler and shout and yell and throw a fit and express what's going on inside of you. And listen, ultimately, here's the thing. God knows what's on your heart. He's big enough to handle whatever you bring to him and however you bring it to him. See, here's what I know as an earthly father. And really, all parents, we can understand this. We love it when our kids need us. We want to be needed. And God, who is your heavenly father, loves for you to come to him and let your needs be made known. So Paul's like, hey, don't ruminate. Don't put a down payment on a problem that might not ever happen, but talk to God about it. Bring it before the Lord and thank him for what he's done. And when we do that, Paul tells us that we will experience something. Look at what he says in verse 7 that we'll experience. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That means when you're in that anxiety tornado, when you feel like everything should be falling apart, but you're not falling apart. And people look at you and they're like, how are you not falling apart? You're like, it's the peace of God. It surpasses all understanding. I don't even get it. I should be falling apart, but I'm not. But you're experiencing the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's our last and final thought for today. Giving thanks makes room for God's peace. Giving thanks makes room for God's peace. Listen, there's always something for you to be thankful for and to thank God for, even in the darkest of days. We can't control what we go through But what we can control is what we'll think about as we go through it. And what we think about will determine our level of peace. Now notice, Paul says that the peace of God 
He doesn't say, we'll deliver you. He says, in the peace of God, we'll guard your hearts and your minds. God wants to guard your heart and your mind with peace. The question we need to ask ourselves today is, is our minds already filled up with so many other thoughts? Our minds already filled up with so many anxious thoughts. And if so, then we don't have any room for God's peace. Giving thanks clears our minds of anxiety and gives us space to focus on something different. See, anxiety pulls us and, and, and allows us to worry about the future and things we can't control, but giving thanks grounds us in what God has already done. See, when you make space to thank God for what he's done, it denies anxiety's pull to the unknown future and gives us something different to focus on. And when we're grounded in giving thanks, Paul gives us an eight-question test on how we can maintain peace in the middle of our anxiety. And it's, it's all found in verse eight. We'll read it here in just a minute. But I would encourage you to write down those eight things found in verse eight. Tape them to your computer at home. Tape them to your computer at work. Put them on the mirror in the bathroom as you're getting ready. Write them down on your phone and use them as a screensaver. So every time you about get on that phone, you are reminded of these eight questions so that you can maintain peace. And so what are the questions we need to ask ourselves? Verse eight, it says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, fix your thoughts on those things. It's not going to come naturally. You're going to be, have to be intentional about it. And then look at what he says in verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. In other words, do them over and over and over again. It's not natural. It's gonna, you're going to have to be intentional. So do it over and over again. And he says, and the peace of God will be with you. Paul is telling us to think about what we're going to think about. We have to think to ourselves, is this true? Is this lovely? Is it honorable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? And every day when a thought comes to our mind, we have to run it through that test. And if it is not one of those eight things, then we need to kick it out. We need to take that thought captive and say, you can't be in my head anymore and you got to kick it out of there. Listen, I'm not even speaking as someone who's got this all figured out. I'm still struggling with this thing too. I have to be reminded of these eight things. My wife constantly reminds me of those eight things, you know? I have other people in my life who will say, hey, Nate, is this true? Is this honorable? Is this worthy of praise? I'm constantly having that. And sometimes I'm like, this isn't helpful, you know? But I have to be reminded of those things over and over and over again. We have to be intentional about this. See, if the first thing you do in the morning is you get up and you grab your phone and you check the news or social media, and then you go about your day, and the last thing you do as you go to bed is check the news and social media, there's no room for the thoughts of peace that God wants to put in your mind. There are so many studies that just show that the more social media we consume, the more we're addicted to our screens, it only increases our loneliness, our depression, and our anxiety. Meaning this, if you're always hitting the refresh button, you're never going to be refreshed. 
If you're always scrolling through your newsfeed, you're never going to be fed because you're filling your mind with the wrong things. Listen, I, I read a study this last week that said if you pray consistently for 12 minutes a day over eight weeks, it will change your brain and they will see it on a brain scan. You need to make sure that you are filling your mind with the right things. We need to be intentional about what intake we're, we're having come into our lives because our minds are containers and they can only hold so much. Now, I promise you, you can do this. I promise you, you can because your thought life is just a mental habit. I'll illustrate it this way. It's a weird way to illustrate it, but I'll, I'll illustrate it. Just follow me with this. How many of you have ever had to potty train a, a toddler before or a puppy, right? Like some of you, some of you have kids and you're not raising your hand, so I'm not okay. I need help. <laughs> happened last service too. Clearly that's one thing we need to be praying about. But if you've ever had to train your kids or, you know, housebreak a puppy, you could be making some progress. You'd be like, Hey, this is going really well. And you turn around and what do you see? A pile of poo in the middle of the living room floor. And the dogs also made a mess, you know? And you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? You just throw your hands up in the air and go, well, this is hopeless. We're not going to make any progress. You know, do we, do we just say this will never change? No. We patiently go over and we clean up the mess and we do some retraining. The same is true when it comes to our thoughts. See, when a crappy thought comes into your mind and just makes a mess in your head, you need to clean it up and retrain your thinking. You need to go back to that eight-question test. Retrain yourself again and make room for God's peace. See, I think a lot of us would say, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm anxious. And I love that God's word is filled with people who were not okay, who dealt with anxiety. I think sometimes we look at the Bible and we go, well, to be in here, like you must have had to have it all together. It's not the case. They dealt with it as well. They were anxious as well. In fact, I want to invite the band up here because I've got to close here in the next few minutes. And so with them being back there, I'll feel the anxiety to get through this. All right. So, but there is a prophet named Jeremiah and he just airs out all of his anxiety that he's wrestling with. And I really love it because the story here about Jeremiah very much mirrors what we're talking about here in Philippians. And he says this in Lamentations chapter three. Speaking about God, he says, He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again, all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. What what he's ultimately getting at is he's like, I have anxiety. And he's in a pit, and, and when you're in a pit, it's just darkness. And you feel like you can't get out and and the walls are closing in on you. And sometimes it can feel like, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Like, are you punishing me, God, with all this anxiety? And it could feel like wave after wave after wave of anxiousness. And Jeremiah's like, it's aging me. And I think sometimes we think about our anxiety and we look in the mirror and we go, it's aging me. And then he goes on to say in verse five, he has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. Meaning when you're in the middle of it, you're just surrounded. You feel like you're suffocating. The walls are closing in. But then he goes on to say, peace has been stripped away and I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I hoped for from the Lord is lost. 
In other words, he's like, all hope is gone. But I want you to know, it's the last sentence there. My splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. That's in quotes. This means that Jeremiah is thinking about this. He's ruminating over this. He's playing this out over and over and over and over in his mind. It's kind of like clothes in a dryer. It's just sitting there, but it's spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. Again, anxious thoughts are harmful. It's harmful what he's thinking about. But this is a whole prayer and he's praying to God. And he's airing it out in his own unique way, the way that God designed him to. And he's talking to God about what's going on in his life. And and as he concludes this prayer about his anxious thoughts, he says this, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Now get ready because he's about to thank God. He's remembering, he's looking back. He's thanking God for what he said. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And so he goes on to say, I say to myself, here's his new perspective. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Anxiety feels like darkness. But all dark rooms are not the same. A pit is dark. But you know what else is dark? A tunnel. But a tunnel is way more hopeful than a pit. See, when you're in a pit, you don't know where to go. You feel suffocated. You feel like you're surrounded. You're bumping into walls. You can't get out. But a tunnel is way more hopeful because there's a way out. All you need to do is put one foot in front of the next foot. Some of you here today, you just need to invite God into your anxiety into your anxiousness right now. God's like, I'm with you. I'll be with you. I'll carry you. I'm with you in the middle of it. And he'll bring healing into our life. But healing doesn't always happen all at once. It's a process. When you break your arm, do you go, oh Lord, just take the arm. It's healing. It's a process. It takes time. And the same is true with our anxiety. He may not take it away with the snap of a finger. He could. He's powerful enough to. But chances are what he wants to do is is bring healing through a process. Maybe right now you feel like Jeremiah. You're like, Lamentations, I'm going to write this down. Because that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling those same thoughts, those same things. Jeremiah clearly expressed everything that I'm feeling right now. So maybe you feel like him, but maybe like Jeremiah, you just need to dare to hope. I want to remind you that God hasn't given up on you. God won't leave you. He won't abandon you. He won't forsake you. He wants to draw near to you. So what I want us to do is I want us to pray. But not in the the traditional way that we do while we're seated and we bow our heads and we close our eyes. It's not going to get weird, all right? But I want us to do it a little bit different because when the Bible talks about prayer, It doesn't say, hey, bow your head, close your eyes. The Bible talks about prayer. It says, look up and reach out because that's where our help comes from. So where you're at right now, would you all just stand to your feet? We're gonna close in a song here. But here's what I want us to do right now. Whether you're struggling with anxiety or not, whether you just wanna feel the Father's touch, maybe you're dealing with something else. He knows. 
I'm going to pray specifically for anxiety, but oftentimes I think we're so focused on the horizontal, what's going on in our lives right here, that we forget to look vertically and be reminded where our help comes from. So where you're at right now, would you just look up and reach out with me? Heavenly Father, as your church, as your people, we come before you, looking up and reaching out, taking our eyes off the horizontal and looking to the one who is our help, our deliverer, our rescuer. God, today I know, myself included, I I deal with so much anxiety. We deal with anxiety. We know that anxious thoughts are harmful, but today, God, we invite you into our anxiety. We invite you into our lives and the problems that we have. We want to feel you. So God, with our eyes up and our hands out, would you draw near to us this morning, Father? God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to live and to die and to rise again. And that gives us hope that this earth, everything we face is only temporary. Eternity is a long time and we want to spend it with you where there's no more tears, no more sadness, no more anxiety, no more fears, no more overwhelmed, no more any of this stuff, no more shame, God. So Lord, we look to you. Would you meet us right where we're at today? It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.